July 3, 2021. It's the What for Pedro show. <laughs> Thank you. 
For Pedro Show started off well happy Saturday people started off with the John Coltrane and Freight Train and then Lossage with No Fair uh, Brother Matt's still in the Love Grot on the Pleasure Point we're going to do a collab with Crane up in Idaho something called Pictures from the Pleasure Point you might hear other sounds and that's from those Estonian software engineers with their Skype invention yeah I'm honored to have Kyle Bruckman welcome aboard Kyle Thanks, Mike. It's yeah. great to be here. Absolutely. we got to thank the brutal sound effects crew for the connect. Yes, indeed. Yes. Okay. Really interesting stuff. You flowed me, and, and I'm, I'm curious about your journey through music, so please bring us your earliest musical recollection, Kyle. <laughs> oh, Remember, man. it's a, it's um, a Watt from Pedro show. There's no hard questions, and there's no wrong answers. <laughs> well, that, I don't know if I can if I can pinpoint the earliest, cause you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm one of those spoiled brats that I've always had music in the house and in my life, my parents were always listening to the radio and records. And, you know, I, I guess they had a, had a dream of bringing their kids up cultured or something, but I, the, 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 the first most um, crucial moment I can call up is like when I was six years old, this is when like my, my actually playing and studying music really started in earnest. Um, my uh, friends of, of my parents that they'd gone to their college buddies, basically um, the couple they, they were a, an organ repairman and an organ teacher. And they like, they ran this, this like mighty Wurlitzer palace in on long Island. 
and we would like every every year we would kind of trade homes for Thanksgiving. We would go back and forth and do the the family holiday thing. And I just I don't know why it hit me that year, but when I was six years old, you know, this was mid seventies, and like a quarter of their living room was filled up with this humongous uh, Wurlitzer, you know, this big organ that you know now is just would be cheesy as hell, but at that point it was the coolest toy I'd ever seen. It was like an arcade game, except it, you know, you could choose what noises it made flashing lights, bossa nova beats and the whole deal. And I just, I remember announcing to my parents, like, I want one of these. And they're like, are you serious? Well, maybe if you actually practice every day and take lessons, we'll if you promise to do that, we'll consider it. And the family lore, at least, is that I kind of powdered a little bit and said, okay, I'll think about it. And the next morning I came down, I was like, okay, it's a deal. So um, that that was really the beginning of the journey for me. And the only reason it was organ rather than piano lessons was just that freak accident of who my parents were friends with. Right, because the instrument was actually in their pad, not your your, your family's pad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so that's the way life is, you know? It mm-hmm. deals your hand. And, okay, so what's the experience with the organ lesson teacher? <laughs> I, I mean, for me, it was good. Good, you know? good, good. It's good. like... I'm happy to I, you know, hear that. You know, there is a lot of nightmare on my show from guests with the piano lesson thing, but not always. Yeah, no, I know it can it can definitely ruin it. For I think it really ha- has to do with the, the technique or lack of technique or empathy or shit like that from the teacher. Yeah, not, not the device. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I've always I've always had a, at least a dual personality, especially at that age. I was very much a a good boy and a teacher's pet. You know, I had no problem with, <laughs> I had no problem with doing what I was supposed to as long as it was something that I was invested in, you know, as long as it's something that I I decided like, okay, this is worth it. This is interesting to me. So I'm going to play whatever this game is. That's so great. The le- you know, so the lessons totally connected for me. I loved it. I, I, uh, and I, I kept that up like even into high school um, Let's talk about school. Were you besides yeah. the home with the organ and the lessons? Were you in the marching band or the choir or shit like that? Oh yeah, all of it, uh, all of it. And I was I was enough of a brat that like I, I I was never super competitive about it. I mean, I was motivated, but I I wasn't like one of these kids that freaked out and it was the end of the world if I didn't make all state. Um, <laughs> and you know, part of it was just because I was. I don't know. I was I was privileged. I was blithe. I was lucky. So I like the year that I didn't make all stay on band, I made it in choir. So it's like, okay, I still get to make music and hang out with my friends. So good enough. You know? Now, I'm curious. Uh, okay, choir, you're using your voice, but you didn't use the organ in the other school stuff, right? No, no, no. So that's the thing. I in I mean, I, you know, I, I was in a I, I went to school. I my colleagues and I, you know, cohort uh it's weird it's like i I am also my day job is playing classical oboe believe it or not so it's it's very no i'm way fucking into it man andy mckay (laughs) we're gonna play some with john wetton i mean anybody who rocks the oboe and some rock and roll song that's with a (laughs) bitch and bass is almost heaven for me (laughs) awesome awesome so yeah i mean that's that's the weird part it's like a lot of folks in the experimental music scene i don't run into a lot of people who are also straight laced, you know, bow tie musicians, and I I try to have it both ways. But can I, I ask you this, Kyle? Yeah. Do you have kind of an opinion that music is music? 
Oh, hell yes. Okay, so maybe there ain't, it shouldn't be weird. That, no, I, you're yeah. right. And, well, yeah, we can get as deep into the the, <laughs> the many random detours as, as you have patience for. But, like, the, the oboe thing just started in, in fourth grade. I, I was, I feel like I'm maybe one of the last generations of kids who were lucky enough to have, like, a really strong public school band program just fully available sorry i'll mute for a second if that keeps up no but that's uh, you're you're right about that you know people like charlie mingus and uh, uh eric dolphy you know these guys come out of public school here in socal yeah, totally and that yeah. that got lost and yep. in fact that's why flea yep. started silver lake conservatory of music because when he went back to fairfax high where he learned trumpet they had gotten rid of the program Oh yeah, I mean it's been there's been a war on that for for decades now, but that was kind of the last <laughs> the last straw. Sorry, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna just or just sit on the motherfucker. That's <laughs> <laughs> a real butt dial. Can I ask you what was the first record you bought with your own money? Uh you know, um, <laughs> well, let's see the. It's like when my sister's two years two years younger than me, and when we were kids, like my my dad started like um, signing up for like the Sony Columbia Tape yeah, Club. Yeah. All these, you know, and if, mine if was eight to, tracks, ten eight tracks for a dime. Oh my god! Wow. Was, yeah, I'm I'm slightly too young for that, but it was it was this thing where if you got a certain number of tapes, you could throw in one more for a penny. Yeah. And yeah. my dad would always let my sister and I choose them and it's hilarious to me when i think back because when i was like you know 10 11 it was like abba billy joel you know stuff that i that i cringe about now but the when i when I, when adolescence hit i mean i was super lucky that there was a college radio station in the town where i grew up and just starting to catch on to that stuff i i think i think the first one I might have bought was Talking Heads Remain in Light and I I that, that's like an album I still listen to. That's a I good think. one. That's the Brian oh, Eno yeah. one, right? With the you know, kind of funky thing going on. Even more. Yep. They always had a funky thing. We're gonna have that fucking ring in the whole show, huh? Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. I you know what? It's I'm just I am <laughs> I've I'm glad I can be here at all. It's crazy. We're doing like a family camping thing with a no, bunch it's... of friends. Our first time in the woods and I am in I'm in the supply room in the back of the main office of the campground right now because they had Ethernet they let me plug into. No, sure, so, sure. It's a good connect. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The other question I want to ask about something like that. See, I asked with your own money because you, when you're a kid, you ain't got a lot of money, so it's trippy. Right. Like, yeah. Now, yep. the other one is what's the first gig you saw, Kyle? Oh, um, uh, man. Well, you know, my parents would take us to – all sorts of classical concerts and everything when we were kids. The first, like, show, you know, yeah. capital S show, um, there was a band. Okay, I grew up in Danbury, Connecticut, and it's... Danbury? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thurston, more. You, you know, I, I just learned a couple days ago that he lived in Bethel, and that blew my freaking mind. Yeah, I never knew also that. Joe Bouchard, the drummer, uh, the bass man of Blue Oyster Cult. Oh my God! There was a club there called Penguins or something. I played, and Joe Bouchard came on stage. This is years ago, thirty years ago or something. 
Ah, oh, Danbury, so, what a trip. Yeah, so I, you know, I was born in 71, so, like, by the time puberty hit and the punk rock thing captured my imagination, it's like hardcore had pretty much played out, but it was still kind of dragging along in its weird zombie form by that point. <laughs> And um, I mean, it, you know, and thank God it changed my life, you know, I uh, but the, the the big bands in town at that point when I was like 13 years old, you know, bands that I just barely was aware of. Um, no Milk on Tuesday was one um, uh, mental abusement park. I don't think I ever even heard them, but I, I had this T-shirt that I won on the college radio uh, station. It was like a hardcore show, and I called in, and I got a Metal Abusement Park t-shirt, and I wore it for decades. and <laughs> turned it into cheeseclaw. Sometimes that's how hardcore that. was. The band name was better. Yep, sometimes yep, the yep, music yep. got so generic. Nothing against the attitude, but the form got a little generic. But the well, the that, band names were great. I remember yeah. we shared the stage with the band in the city. They were called Uncle Bob Touched Me. <laughs> You know, I want to play something you gave me from Degradient. Okay, cool.
Not for Pedro Show. That chunk of music started off with degrading, with yeah. speaking of good band names, tr truncations, deletions. Yeah, that's about sums it up. You know, and then Needles Nails Live uh, One. This is uh, uh, Victoria Shin. She debuted her uh, inch uh, her invention where she put styluses on her port mm -hmm. hand like four stylus on the four nails. You know, oh, and uh, yeah, and uh, then we had Mir, something brand new from DK, not Dead Kings people. This cat is overseas, <laughs> uh, music, music man. And then uh, again, uh, some uh, new stuff from over there. Sophie Dupalais, I think she's in uh, Holland, smashed Mir. And then now, this is uh, Marissa from uh, uh, Screaming She Males, she's gone solo in the shade. Uh, Port Sunshine out of Hamburg with Dark Chocolate Cherry. Bomb is printed out of D.C. Please leave the mall now. <laughs> That's a good title. And, Roxy, and then, like I said, Roxy Music featured John Wetton. You oh, know, yeah. Out of the Blue, 1975 Life. He did a tour with Roxy. I think maybe they made an album out of one, uh, Viva or something like this. But this was just uh, from that tour of bootleg thing. And... Just, you know, he was monster sound and some of that King Crimson and just him doing the Roxy stuff. But, man, yeah. what always freaked me out was, you know, hearing him and that P-Bass overdriven and bitching Jack Bruce kind of. Mm -hmm. Well, it was John Wetton playing, but, you know, we all owe Jack Bruce and James <laughs> Jefferson, right? Both those daddies. There must be an oboe cat like that, Sensei, that y'all look. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but but anyway, then you'd see him, and he said, fucking designer jeans, you know, body shirt, and blow dry hair. It was like, whoa. <laughs> but that was just to keep me in check, you know. Thank you, Mr. Wet, for doing that. It was just a beautiful guy. And so oboe people could rock. I mean, you listen to that. Thing. And then finally, Kyle Brookman with Bunker Hunker Communique B2. Now, now, uh, double read, right? Yeah. There's yep. another double read thing called bassoon. And oh, yeah. You know how usually the cliche is you got the angels, and if there's music involved, they got harps, right? Well, you yep. go to that fucking ch the, Mr. Gowdy's church in uh, Barcelona, what the Famille Sagri, Sangra the family blood. The, you know, it's got uh -huh. like fucking fruit baskets at the top. Well, <laughs> the angels there are rocking bassoons, not harps. That's amazing. Yeah. That so next amazing. time you're there, check that out and tell everybody what told you. All right. I will do that. <laughs> Me and Brother yeah. Steve McKay saw that as Stooges thing and was like, yes, thank you, Mr. Gowdy. So so continue <laughs> on with your, uh, like, this merging of organ, uh, oboe, uh, hardcore. It's all leading up to your music thing. I mean, did you ever get into the gar uh, garage band, basement band, bedroom band? Uh, not after school, I like graduate, but afternoon. Yeah. I, you know, I, um, it, there was a band in high school, uh, and again, this was like partially the era and partially just me being perverse and was like, well, I want to be in a hardcore band, but the hardcore kids that I, that I see kind of scare me. I'm not into the fist fight thing. That's a little too macho for me. I don't play guitar, <laughs> maybe, but I have. You know, organ. I think they, Kyle, I think they also called that dancing. It was a form of dancing. <laughs> well, that's okay. So you know, beat the shit out of each other. That's why there was not many girls involved. Yeah, well, I gotta tell you because the '70s punk scene, which the yeah. city actually had a bigger scene than we did, right? New York had the biggest. Yeah. 
It was more women than guys because it came from glitter and glam. But when it came to hardcore, that whole dynamic changed, man. <laughs> it did. It did. And actually, let's let's rewind just for a second of the first show thing, just because that was the the first show that I like remember going to was was No Milk on Tuesday, right? That was like one of the local bands, and I just remember being just totally beside myself. It was me and ten of my high school friends and whatever the small cadre of like you know 20 25 year old punks in town and in it was pro i don't remember where it was it was probably like a vfw or something like that and we were just so giddy trying out our our mosh moves and wearing our dog chains and all the stuff we've been reading about maximum rock and roll and we got to do it in real life you know scene report the, scene report <laughs> yeah exactly but the, you know again this was like 84 85 so yeah, yeah. you know it had already God, there was still Minutemen. there was still Minutemen in that time it's true it is true it is true but like you know for where i was this was also okay the other big band in town when i was when i was a teen was violent children and i mean they were you know formulaic but great just totally amazing band and, and if anybody knows anything about them now it's because uh Ray Capo, the lead singer, went on to form Youth of Today and then Shelter. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, again, no disrespect to him or them, but you want to talk about formulas, you know, suddenly like the straight edge thing turned into this cult. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, new rules kept getting added all the time. And I, you know, I saw that happening and more and more of the, um, like the couple of shows that I did go to when I was young, I tried, oh, God. I tried to see Circle Jerks, and my ride had to go home because he had to work the next morning. So I only saw the 18 opening bands, but didn't, didn't <laughs> ever see the Circle <laughs> But um, but that so that you know that the kind of yeah, I was totally into the moshing and everything. But then when I started figuring out, it's like wait a minute, these kids in the audience are like. There's this scary thing going on with what color your bootlaces are, and yeah. whether you're whether you're white power or white pride or whether you're sharp. And I just didn't want to have anything to do yeah, with that. Yeah, yeah. And you know, yeah. look, the heartbreak goes back 1955 or something. Little Richard's selling less tutti frutti and Pat Boone. I mean, that's humans will do yep. shit like this. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. So like with with that kind of so movements movements my, get co-opted that have. Really yeah. good ethics, right, to begin with, and uh -huh. then get co-opted by some lame-ass herd mentality. Oh, yeah, of course. But, you know, you go, that, and that's, if anything, it was an advantage to me that I caught on a little bit too late and a little bit too that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. outside so I could pick and choose. Also, Kyle, I got to tell you, a farmer would probably enlighten us to the fact if you want a good crop, use a lot of fucking manure. Bring it, motherfucker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and for God's sake, crossbreed your plants too yeah, absolutely. the enemy absolutely Purity's the enemy Pure, yeah that yeah what a fuck oh the acorn never falls from the tree bullshit they want the, the tree wants a squirrel to eat that acorn and shit it out a mile away <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 motherfuckers with their fucking ethnic cleansing okay uh so yeah it was like in that context you know seeing how how weird and macho and formulaic hardcore almost instantly became for for me it was like a natural decision it's like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna be an asshole i want to start a hardcore <laughs> band, but i'm gonna use a synthesizer because you can't do that you're not supposed to do that so let me try see you know? see see how fucked up that is because the biggest the first band that could sell out the whiskey in 70s punk 
was the Screamers, which was synth. Exactly. See, hardcore had lost, but you can't, you're also talking about young people. And where, where, how do you know history when you're really young? You don't know. Right. Yeah. I, like, I wish that, like, I didn't, I didn't catch on to Screamers and Suicide or the units or any of that stuff. Nervous gender. Yep. I didn't hear any of that stuff. Nervous gender was fucking out. You know what? Nervous gender was out of fucking East LA, too. Yep. You yep. know what I mean? The, the movement yep. actually came out of all kinds of weird places. It exactly. wasn't just white suburb. Exactly. Nothing wrong with that either. I mean, it's all fair game for me. But if, if mm-hmm. you kind of know, I think that keeps the mind open a little bit. But you oh, can't yeah. know. It's a process, right? So uh, there was a band in the city. They had this uh, they had black humor, right? They had this chorus. The only thing new is you. Find it out about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, and it, what really trips me out in retrospect, too, is looking back at, like, all the stuff that just seemed like gospel to me as a teenager, just realizing how fast it happened, too, you know? <laughs> right. It's like you only Absolutely. have to rewind a tiny bit, and you're like, wait a minute, for, it, it was like Bad Brains and the Big Boys, and then you get black and you got queer, right? Yeah, like, right, right. Right off the bat. And when did that get, when did that get erased? I know, I know. Yeah. Well, you know, I think things changed a lot quicker than two. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it just seems, and then it kind of plateaued out, especially as as uh, 90s and uh, 2000s came it's not bad it's just the way things worked out but in the early days when things changed some things only lasted a couple weeks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or a couple months yeah it yep. was trippy yeah uh, and now they finally get their first ever vinyl only release on 180 gram vinyls for 30 bucks right? <laughs> good point we're at the end ah. of the first hour july 3 2021 edition what peter so special guest kyle brookman whole time hour two July 3, 2021, it's the second hour of the Watch from Pedro show.
the best we tried Said I'm busy but I lied I guess you're gonna need a ride Let's wait until the traffic guy still wants to leave the earth And go back and sing about a sonic boom Custom made for you to leave Dropping it on up as soon as something I would never do Just want to stay here So please just put your seatbelt on
Started the second hour off of Pink Mountain over the rainbow somewhere. Can't copyright a title, people, but Brother <laughs> Kyle did better than that. He arranged the fucking spiel. Ben Salter uh, from Tasmania with uh, Dissipation. And then uh, nearby uh, Sydney, Lucas Sabella. This just came out in March. Virga. I love his shit. Tim Hoe yeah. outside of England with Numbers Game. 
Are You a Cop? Uh, last re uh, song from their new album, uh, Seatbelt. And then finally, something called Rack. And that's with a W, people. Uh, hey, hey, well, it's hard to see the spelling with Watt's mouth. <laughs> you know, right? uh, feral, feral Glintings. <laughs> that's a title. I didn't even know Glintings was a word, but it makes sense. I'm into it. So continue with your your journey with the music. I mean, you go to obviously go to university to uh, further your music education. Yeah, yeah. I went. I mean, I wound up at um, a school called Rice in Houston. Oh yeah, yeah. I almost got yeah. to play there, but a rainstorm just cut the gig. Oh, you know you, you know did that they, play there. Well, with, they with, play. You uh, you're right. You're right. But the, the the Houston underpasses, right? They didn't do overpasses. They submerged the underpasses, so when it rains hard, they all flood. Cars yeah. are floating and shit. Mm -hmm. It's a crazy town, and I, you know, it was a a real culture shock for me after growing up in <laughs> growing up in Connecticut, and then my um, my parents actually moved to. Dallas Fort Worth area the summer before my senior year of high school and I, I pitched a classic teenage tantrum and you know you're ruining my life how can you make me move now and we struck a bargain that I I lived with old friends of the family to finish up high school and they said okay but you got to go to the you got to you got to look at colleges in Texas if you're going to do that and totally short-sighted it was like you know could only see right in front of me i had a band i had friends we had a zine there was the marching band and all the band geek stuff at school too and i was like yeah i'm not walking away from this <laughs> uh, and i you know it's i look back now it's like am i insane i only applied to one college what the hell but it, it worked out beautifully I, I was super lucky i mean it helped that i was a nerd and i got good grades and stuff but i i I started at Rice academically figuring I was going to major in psychology. And within the first semester, I realized it's like, okay, every class I'm taking, everything I'm just trying out is, that is fascinating to me. All of it is quote unquote worthless from a capitalist perspective. None of it has <laughs> any market value. So if I'm going to do something that's never going to make me any money, rather than become an academic and get a PhD, what, I might as well do the music thing because music was always fun, you know? It's like, and I, I, to me, music was a playground when I was a kid. It meant I, get to go, I got to go on cool band trips with my friends and act like a jerk. And so, <laughs> so I, I kind of saw that as like, oh yeah, I'll, I, I want to, music is fun, so I'm going to study music. I had no idea what I was getting myself into in terms of, the field or the professional realities of it. But very suddenly I found myself surrounded by 18, 19 year olds who had essentially grown up on the back stairs of symphony hall in whatever city they came from, you know, it's like they already had incredibly informed opinions of their favorite recording of Brahms third symphony. I didn't know any <laughs> of that stuff. I just, I had played in a youth orchestra, but it was all just kind of fun and casual for me. So it was it was shocking. It was a bit of a wake up call, and I are, was, are you are you saying kind of competitive like sports? Uh, sorry, like in, there's a, there's this thing you know I know in the jazz scene you use John Coltrane's fucking giant steps to cut each other. Oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you know oh, yeah. the pictures of John Coltrane with his compassionate eyes and you using this man's music to right. cut each other. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and there was that's almost worse than the, the the sins of the hardcore we were talking about. Maybe it is worse. Well, there there was definitely a culture of that there. I don't. I mean, my the other students, like nobody was particularly nasty. It was more just that that the attitude among the faculty was like, you gotta, you've gotta buckle down, and you you've got to do it, and you've got to do it this way, and. I I wasn't really ready for that. I locked horns with my teacher and the orchestra conductor a lot. I have so much to thank them for. Right? <laughs> now that I'm old, you know, I can sure. look back. It's like, man. No, really, no, not old, they... uh, Kyle. Less <laughs> younger. Less younger. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But, like, I, you know, it's at the time, I just felt like I was swimming upstream, and I didn't know what I got myself into. But thank God there was a radio station there and i and college I, radio that's one great thing yep. that came from the movement yep yeah because yep. it was mersh fact, it was mersh man i helped yep. sst i would call these guys playing fucking journey on a college stage well I, you gave me this thing baker brookman zarang and i want to play <laughs> anxious yeah. expectations of paradise uh-huh
Pedro Show, that chunk of music started with Baker Bruckman Zerang, Anxious Expectations of Paradise. Then Michael Christoph and Wayne Rex with the Buckfast Lay Flounce. I know about Buckfast, it's some like coat, <laughs> coffee, and liquor shit out of South, you know, I think uh, Devon part of England. And yeah, yeah, wake up. It's made by monks too. It's like true. And decaf with She Went In and Never Came Out. And finally, Buckman Daisy with Feral. Oh, fuck, I already said that. Feral Glint. Oh, because Rack did ex, 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 Exasperator. That's there what happened. Go. I went and fucking mixed those. People read the playlist because there's some pilot air going down. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so I've sorry. Let's see until fucking... Brother I've God, always been kind of an asshole with my titling, too. <laughs> no, no. They're, you know, with instrumental music, right? Titles are, like, profound. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I always bring this up, but John Coltrane calling that song Alabama. I mean, right away, you think of those mm-hmm. small little girls. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Even though the technique was to follow Dr. King's phrasing, but him put yeah. that title on. Wow. Yeah. So what what yeah, what, yeah, are, yeah. what are like titles for you? Do they come on last or first? Uh, usually last, um, when it's, I mean, when it's purely instrumental stuff, yeah, I usually last. And I'm just like everybody I'm else. Just... I'm the only motherfucker who starts songs with titles. <laughs> That's why I always <laughs> ask that. So, so go on, go on with your thing through, uh, through, uh, uh, at Rice there at the uh, college. Yeah, it was, I mean, really it was like that being able to keep up that dual personality at the conservatory and at the radio station. And this, this was KTRU Houston. You know, this was a, uh, and, uh, good sir, we actually met there. There's no way in hell you would remember, but Firehose came in like 90. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Well, there was two gigs and one got canceled and one we did do. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that was, I mean, that became my life. Working that radio station, just, just, I spent more time there than I did in the practice room. And, you know, at the time my teachers were telling me, you're screwing up, you're making a mistake. But, you know, now that I look back, it's like, nope. Everything about my my well, not just my creative life, but my career now 
like I could, I, w- I wouldn't, I, w- I couldn't do anything that I do now. That's like kind of my, my weird little niche. Had I not spent all that time there, I'm totally grateful for it. But yeah, the, the college radio was like, I mean, it was a really weird time to be in college radio. I started in 89. So like we were right in the thick of it when, sorry, I'm going to say it when Nevermind broke. Right. <laughs> So, you know, we were like, what we were talking about. Worst fucking genre name ever. Like, what's the alternative to music? Silence? (laughs) Mr. Mr. Cage worked that out a long time ago. (laughs) Yep, yep. And this this was the joke, is that we walked in with, like, with this idea that, you know, the philosophy of the station at the time was we would just egg each other on as DJs. You know, it's like, if if you like everything you played on your show, you failed. It's like you need to you need to stretch yourself and you need to just kind of just pull random stuff out of the stack. You need to like just do whiplash segues all over the place and and just see see how out you can go in terms of genre crossing. And and that, you know, that that infected me. That is something that really got to my core and it's still at the center of everything I do. It's the center of how I teach as a fancy pants college professor now too. So, but this idea of music's music. Yep. 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 And genres yeah. fucking Berlin walls in our goddamn heads. And exactly. we could, cause if it was physical, we could take a hammer to it, but man, they're in our <laughs> fucking heads. Uh, Kyle, we're at the end of the second hour. July 3, 2021, Dish Watt Pedro Show, special guest Cal Brookman. Hold tight for hour three. July 3, 2021, it's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro Show.
proper procedures to end his loss of injury. Deep into the night, unless you three workers to work and the mixtures you need. Deep into the night, through on the street. Deep into the night, through through on the street. Cables and wires and who's a touch nervous. And they're deep into the night. They're going deep into the night tonight. Night, man, night, man, and, and five to the street. And, and five to the street. And five to the street. And, and five to the street.
Pedro, so we start off the third hour. Sestroon from Brookman. Oh, Tom Dill. He yep. was on the show. Yep, yep. Yeah, great. I yeah. just I just noticed that. I saw on his playlist, he he billed us as Kokuo, which is a, yeah. a kind of a collective name we sometimes go by. It's like, oh, he might not even have put two and two together that that's Tom again. So. Oh, man. And and also, there's two other cats, Hula and N- uh-huh. Nishi Smith. Yep. Okay. Kanoko Nishi Smith plays Koto. Jacob Felix Huli plays percussion. Mostly just bass drum. Right. And okay. It's the same cats with another name. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. And then we had Check It. This is live at Target, a video in San Francisco, 1980, Feb 24, part one of two. Oons. This was a project of Zev. I got from Blake Edwards, who took care of him in his last days. Zev was huge oh. inspiration. You know, a percussion player that'd be almost killed by his shit while he was doing the gig. Yep. One man yep. band and just. That's when I'm, so something about 70s punk. I'm not trying, we were just lucky, you know, when you're born, right? But yeah. man, it was not just fast guitar. I was so lucky to experience it. It was like anything you could get on the fucking stage. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. God, we're already in the third hour and you're just out of college. But after that, what <laughs> happens to, you know, a little reader digest here. Maybe I got to have you back on the show so you can talk more. Because all these projects you it. gave me, they probably all got their own story. Oh yeah, yeah. Every one of them, all. And I, you know, I started with Lozenge just because that was the band that I founded at, at Rice. That was the college band that we were all, you know, knee deep in college radio and the conservatory and listening to everything we could get our hands on. And like at the same time, the just you know crazy Texas noise rock scene was was exploding all around us. And um, tell me so, about yeah. the, tell me about the first Lozenge gig. <laughs> Oh man, the f- uh, what was the first one? What was the first one? I don't remember the first. Okay, I'll tell you about the last one we played in Houston before we graduated. Because we we graduated, we split up for two years, and then we moved to Chicago to get the band back together. And uh, so that that track was from our last album that we recorded in Chicago. Anyway, um, yeah, I've always had bad timing. That Lozenge's last album came out after I had already moved to to san francisco like totally stupid but the, <laughs> the, the last show we played 
before we graduated from college, we were opening for Drive Like Jehu and Super Chunk. Ah, uh, Mac. Yeah. And we you know, just, Mac we were... playing with him in Houston at Rockefellers. I think. Uh-huh. No, Fitzgeralds. I'm sorry. Fitzgeralds. Yep. Yep. He, he played we so... Slack. He opened up for us. Slack motherfucker. And I asked him <laughs> right then, can I cover that song? Sweet. 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 Yeah. We were, we were so psyched to get that, that, that bill. And we just wanted to do something incredibly absurd and go out with a, we, we, yeah, we always had a really messed up self-deprecating sense of humor, but it just we outdid ourselves this time. My 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 dear friend Chad, who was in a band, I'll 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 call him out, who was obsessed with the Minutemen at that time. Sorry, but um he was uh he was joking with us, he's like, Oh, you know what you guys should do is like you should like I just he had this fantasy of of um us ending the set with Le- high-powered leaf blowers blow- <laughs> blowing Captain Crunch at the faces of the audience members, and he had this like vision of it just scouring the flesh off of their skulls. And uh, sounds so like, like Gallagher. <laughs> yep, yep. So like, okay, cool, we'll do that. Except we couldn't find enough Captain Crunch, so we got this like generic kind of Fruit Loop stuff, and then we had this little battery-powered leaf blower. So. We dramatically ended the set like pulling the leaf blower out from behind the amps and turned it on and basically scooted the cereal along the floor towards the audience. It <laughs> was still twenty feet away. So, so that, right. that's the kind of band we were. Yeah, I guess that's the closer. Yep. <laughs> Look, yep. I'm gonna play some more Pink Mountain. The Red Line, not just the the Red Line.
文部久茶釜昔神津というお寺がありましたこのお寺の和尚さんは大層お茶の湯が好きでいろいろと変わったお茶道具を集めて毎日それをいじっては楽しんでいましたある日和尚さんは用事があって町へ行った帰りに一軒の道具屋で気に入った形の茶釜を見つけました和尚さんは早速それを買って帰って自分の部屋に飾ってどうですなかなかいい茶釜でしょうと来る人ごとに見せて自慢していましたある晩和尚さんはいつもの通り今に茶釜を飾ったままその側で、うとうと居眠りをしていましたそのうち本当にぐっすり寝込んでしまいました和尚さんの部屋があんまり静かなので小僧さんたちは どうしたのかと思って、そっと障子の隙間から中を覗いてみました。すると、お嬢さんのそばの布団に置いてあった茶釜が一人で煮むくむくと動き出しました。親と思ううちに茶釜から、ひょっこり頭が出て、太いしっ
茶釜が歩き出しましたよ。と天然にすっとんきょうな声を立てて騒ぎ出しました。その音に和尚さんは目を覚まして、やかましい何を騒ぐのだ。と目をこすりながら叱りました。でも和尚さんごらんなさい。ほらあの通り茶釜が歩いていますよ。こう天然に言うので、お尚さんも小僧さんたちの指さす方を見ますと、茶釜にはもう頭も足も尻尾もありません。ちゃんと元の茶釜になって、いつの間にか布団の上に乗って済ましていました。お尚さんは怒って、なんだ馬鹿なことを言うにも程がある。でも変だなあ。確かに歩いていたのに。こう言いながら小僧さんたちは不思議そうに寄ってきて茶釜を叩いてみました。茶釜はカンとなりました。それ見ろ、やっぱりただの茶釜だ。くだらないことを言って、せっかくいい心持ちに寝ているところを起こされてしまった。お尚さんにひどく叱られて、小僧さんたちはしょげて、ぶつぶつ小言を言いながら引っ込んで行きました。その明くる日、お尚さんは、せっかく茶釜を買ってきて、眺めてばかりいてもつまらない。今日は一つ使い試しをしてやろう。と言って茶釜に水を汲み入れました。すると小さな茶釜のくせにいきなり手桶けにいっぱいの水をガブリと飲んでしまいました。お尚さんは少し変だと思いましたが他に変わったこともないのでまた水を入れていろりにかけました。するとしばらくしてお尻が温まってくると茶釜は出し抜けに暑いと言っていろりの外へ飛び出しました。おやと思う間にタヌキの頭が出て四本の足が出て太い尻尾が生えてのこのことお座敷の中を歩き出しましたから、お尚さんはわーっと言って思わず飛び上がりました。大変大変、茶釜が化けた、誰か来てくれ。お尚さんがびっくりして大きな声で呼び立てますと、小僧さんたちは空来たというので、向こう鉢巻きで、ほうきや畑を持って飛び込んできました。でももうその自分には元の茶釜になって、布団の上に済ましていました。叩けばまたカンカンとなりました。お尚さんはまだびっくりしたような顔をしながら、どうもいい茶釜を手に入れたと思ったら、飛んだものを背負い込んだ。どうしたものだろうと考えていますと、門の外で
くずーい、くずーい、という声がしました。ああ、いいところにくず屋が来た。こんな茶釜はいっそくず屋に売ってしまおう。おしょうさんはこう言って、さっそくくず屋を呼ばせました。くず屋はおしょうさんの出した茶釜を手に取って、撫でてみたり、叩いてみたり、そこを返してみたりした後で、これは結構な品物です。と言って茶釜を買ってくずかごの中に入れて持っていきました。茶釜を買ったくず屋は家へ帰ってもまだニコニコして、これはこの頃にない掘り出し物だ。どうかして、道具好きなお金持ちを捕まえて、いいねで売らなければならない。こう独り言を言いながら、その晩は大事そうに茶釜を枕元に飾ってぐっすり寝ました。すると、真夜中過ぎになってどこかで、もしもし、くずやさん、くずやさん、と呼ぶ声がしました。はっとして目を覚ましますと、枕元にさっきの茶釜がいつの間にか煙くじゃらな頭と太い尻尾を出して、ちょこなんと座っていました。くずやはびっくりして羽をきました。やあ大変、茶釜が化けたぞ。くずやさん、そんなに驚かないでもいいよ。だって、驚かずにいられるものかい。茶釜に毛が生えて歩き出せば、誰だって驚くじゃないか。一体お前は何だい私は文福茶釜と言って、本当は狸の化けた茶釜です。実はある日、野原へ出て遊んでいるところを、五六人の男に追い回されて、仕方なしに茶釜に化けて草の中に転がっていると、またその男たちが見つけて、今度は茶釜だ、茶釜だ、いいものが手に入った。これをどこかへ売り飛ばして、みんなでうまいものを買って食べようと言いました。それで私は古道具屋に売られて、店先にさらされて、散々窮屈な目に遭いました。その上何も食べさせてくれないので、お腹が空いて死にそうになったところを、お寺の和尚さんに買われて行きました。お寺ではやっと手おけに一杯の水をもらって、一口にガブ飲みして、ほっと息をついたところを、いきなりいろりに乗せられて、お尻から火破りにされたのには、さすがに驚きました。もうあんなところはこりごりです。あなたは人のいい親切な方らしいから、どうぞしばらく私をうちに置いて、養ってくださいませんか。きっとお礼はしますから。うんうん、置いてやるぐらいわけのないことだ
だがお礼をするってどんなことをするつもりだい。へえ、見せ物でいろいろ面白い芸当をしてみせて、あなたにたんとお金儲けをさせてあげますよ。芸当って一体どんなことをするのだい。さあ、差し当たり、綱渡りの軽技に、文福茶釜の浮かれ踊りをやりましょう。もうくじやなんかやめてしまって、見せ物しにおなんなさい。明日から担当金が儲かりますよ。こう言われて、くずやはすっかり乗り気になってしまいました。そして、茶釜の進める通り、くずやをやめてしまいました。そのあくる日、夜が明けると、くずやは早速、見せ物の支度にかかりました。まず、町の盛り場に一軒、見せ物小屋をこしらえて、文福茶釜の綱渡りと、浮かれ踊りの絵を描いた大看板をあげ、太夫元と、木戸番と、工場員を自分一人で兼ねました。そして、木戸口に座って大きな声で、さあさあ代表版の文福茶釜に毛が生えて、手足が生えて、綱渡りの軽技から浮かれ踊りの不思議な芸当、評判じゃ、評判じゃ、と叫び立てました。往来の人たちは不思議な看板と、面白そうな工場に釣られて、ぞろぞろ見せ物小屋へ詰めかけてきて、たちまち満員になってしまいました。やがて、表紙儀が鳴って幕が上がりますと、文福茶釜がのこのこ楽屋から出てきて、お目見えのご挨拶をしました。見ると、それは思いもつかない、大きな茶釜に手足の生えた化け物でしたから、見物人はみんなあっと言って目を丸くしました。それだけでも不思議なのに、その茶釜の化け物が両方の手にカラカサを刺して扇を開いて綱の上に両足をかけました。そして、重い体を器用に調子を取りながら、綱渡りの一曲を守備よくやってのけましたから、見物人はいよいよ感心して、小屋も割れるほどの喝采を浴びせかけました。それからは何をしても、文福茶釜が変わった芸当をやってみせるたんびに、見物人は大喜びで、こんな面白い見せ物は生まれて初めて見た、と天然に言い合って、またぞろぞろ帰って行きました。それからは文福茶釜の評判は方々に広がって、近所の人は言うまでもなく、縁国からもわざわざわらじがけで見に来る人が、毎日毎晩大変な大入りでしたから、わずかの間に
くず屋は大金持ちになりましたそのうちにくず屋はこうやって文福茶釜のおかげでいつまでもお金儲けをしていても再現のないことだからここらで休ませてやりましょうと考えましたそこである日文福茶釜を呼んでお前をこれまで随分働かせるだけ働かしておかげで私も大したお金持ちになった人間の欲には限りがないと言いながら、そうそう欲張るのも悪いことだから、今日限りお前を見せ物に出すことはやめて、元の通り森んじに収めることにしよう。その代わり、今度は和尚さんに頼んで、ただの茶釜のようにいろりにかけて、火炙りになんぞしないようにして、大切にお寺の宝物にして、二式の布団に乗せて、至極安楽なご隠居の身分にしてあげるが、どうだね。こう言いますと、文福茶釜は、そうですね。私もくたびれましたから、ここらで少し休ませてもらいましょうか。と言いました。そこで、くずやは文福茶釜に、見せ物で儲けたお金を半分添えて、森んじのお尚さんのところへ持って行きました。お尚さんは、ほいほい、それは既読な、と言いながら、茶釜とお金を受け取りました。文福茶釜もそれなりにくたびれて、寝込んででもしまったのか、それからは別段手足が生えて踊り出すというようなこともなく、このお寺の宝物になって今日まで伝わっているそうです。
Show last music for this edition Pink Mountain with the, the Red Lion. Then Few reading uh, Bunbuku Tea Kettle, kind of lucky one, huh? Monks Tea Kettle. And then Lozenge, yeah, you would think reading a old timey folk tale ain't music, but it is, people. <laughs> <laughs> Lozenge, whence we began, okay, the we got the, the whole sideways eight, huh? We did the full. Snake yep. eating its yep. tail with Big Jesus trash can. Now, there's a a birthday party song called this. Or Bad oh, yeah. Seeds. Oh, is it a cover? Yep. It's the only yeah, we only played two covers ever. One was a Ruins tune and one was that one. Ah, so, Ruins. Yeah. Great band. Yep. yep. And so is so is birthday party. I got to see him. Uh I didn't see him with the uh, I loved I first got turned on him from uh Prayers on Fire. And that oh, drummer yeah. left, so Mick Hart, one of the guitar guys, went to drums, and I saw that at the Roxy, and they played uh-huh. Stooges, they played loose. Yep. Yeah, yep. and uh, it was it was a great band, and, and and you know now Nick makes music with uh, Warren Harris, from, uh, uh, hey mm-hmm. uh, Ellis mm-hmm. from uh, Dirty yep. Three, and incredible, he's doing music up the Yang, uh, yep. and, and and you know we were talking about organ teachers, right? Piano, te- but you became a music teacher. Yeah, yeah. So, do you think any of your students have fucking horror stories about you? Oh, boy. Probably. No, uh, no! <laughs> I I mean, I hope they're the right kind of horror stories. I mean, I, if anything, I, I'm, I try too hard to be too encouraging just because I've got too much empathy for my own good. Like, I, I, I have seen, I don't know, I, I guess I've seen, like, so many different corners of the music world that i if anything i'm in danger of not uh not pushing a given kid hard enough in one particular direction can i you ask know? you about one uh, one kind of direction do you do any yeah. composing i do I yeah do. great 
Because I, I have a big problem with that because we're, in the 70s, right, me and Dee Boone were 13 in 1970. No one in yeah. this town, Pedro, wrote their own yeah. songs. Not yeah. one motherfucker. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so there was no culture of it. And right. so we didn't it's know that covered. music was actually for expression. We thought it was like building models. You know, yep. kind of looks yep. like the real thing, but it ain't. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you yeah. do you do push composition. I do, I do, and I push improv too. I yeah, like, oh yeah, that was is, the other thing I was going to ask. Because in a yeah. way, that is a form of composition in the moment, right? Yeah, yeah, and like for so many, um, especially classically trained musicians, I mean, this is changing. It's changing slowly, but it's changing because people are pushing it, you know. And and uh, I, this idea that like I, I had this idea as as a young like oboe students like oh i can't improvise like you know i i at least had ornette and coltrane in my ears with which you know most classical players don't right so i i worship that music but i figured like oh i can't do that that's not for me that's like only jazz only jazz musicians who have jumped through the flaming hoops and gotten cut and have gotten yeah. you know only they are allowed to improvise and it was like it I, I, we're backing up to, to Rice one more time just for a second because it was mostly through listening to records that like I started figure I started discovering folks like Anthony Braxton, Roscoe Mitchell, Art yeah. Ensemble Chicago, George, like all the folks from the AACM. Yeah, and and he, like hearing that, like that to me was the bridge because a lot of that music superficially sounded somewhat more like you know, weird, esoteric, avant-garde European composition of the mid-20th century. So, like, I would hear that. I was like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe, maybe there's, maybe I'm allowed to do this after all. Like, maybe the oboe could have a place in here. And it wasn't until I, I, I went to grad school. I got a master's in Ann Arbor. And it was when I started Stooges there. Town. <laughs> What's that? The Stooges were from Ann Arbor. Oh, I, I, oh, I know. <laughs> a lot of weird stuff happened there before I was there. That's for sure. And some weird stuff while I was there, actually. It's, I, you know, like I was, we were saying when we were off mic that I, I've been enjoying going back through the old playlists, like all the, like Twig Harper, Aaron Dillaway. It's like those dudes were in high school when I was in grad. So I saw like some of the, you know, earliest Wolf Eyes shows. And oh, stuff. great. <laughs> um, I got I, I got to tell you, brother Kyle. I got to have you back on because I ran out of fucking time. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, because we didn't get to talk about all these projects. And then I can have you on bring even more projects and more to talk about. And we cleared out the old stuff. But it's been such an honor to have you aboard, truly. Likewise, Mike. Thank you so much. Right back. People, July 3, 2021 edition of Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.